Welcome to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast with C.J. Mahaney. This podcast is devoted to helping ordinary pastors with the extraordinary privilege of serving God's people in their local church. And now, here is C.J. with your host, Mickey Connolly. Hey guys, welcome back to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast. And uh, just one announcement to make you aware of that now the Ordinary Pastor is going to be on iTunes, so you'll be able to um, access this podcast through iTunes. Is that going to increase the listening audience to potentially <laughs> double figures? I'm hoping to move to <laughs> number one on the top charts, Ordinary Pastor. So Will we break the 10 people yeah, listening threshold. Yeah. Well, yes. um, how, do you, how do you get on the top charts? Like, if, if the guys just listen like five minutes a day, do you get more hits on your chart? I have no idea. I don't either. I was and, hoping Mike did. Yes, it, it's not a concern. Come on, guys, yes. let's yeah. get to the no. top of the chart. <laughs> oh, my. We want to replace Dan Rogan or how things work. Or... We, we do not, and, and you obviously don't know what you're talking about, so I would encourage you to press on with the interview. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the last time we talked about deep work, Yep. and one of the things that came out of that conversation was um, reading as mm. part of deep, undistracted work. Yes. So we thought we'd take the time yes. for this podcast to jump in on for that topic. Yep. So, yep. Um, CJ, let me just turn it right over to you. Um, why must reading be a priority for a pastor? Mm. Good question. Uh, reading must be a priority and passion, actually, for all Christians, but particularly for a pastor, because reading is a means of grace. Reading is a means of growing in one's knowledge of God. Reading is a means of encountering God. Uh, reading is a way we love God with our minds and is a means of cultivating our affection for God. Reading for the pastor is a, a means of replenishing one's soul. And I would argue that a pastor's soul needs to be replenished. Uh, pastoral work is heart work. It is daily, tiring heart work where one is happily serving others, uh, but one concludes the day normally tired in one's soul and sleep, though it is a gift from God and required, it's not sufficient to replenish the soul of a pastor. So reading is not an option for a pastor and must not be marginalized in a pastor's life. Our, our friend, Mickey, our friend John Piper, he acknowledges and addresses this in his fine book, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals, when he writes, I, for one, am not a self-replenishing spring. I like this line. My bucket leaks even when it is not pouring. <laughs> My spirit doesn't revive on the run without time of unhurried reading and reflection beyond the press of sermon preparation my soul shrinks and the specter of ministerial death rises few things frighten me more than the beginnings of barrenness that come from frenzied activity with little spiritual food and meditation uh, and he goes on in that particular chapter to quote uh, martin lloyd jones who just said a, a fight a fight for reading is a fight for your life. So I, I would agree with that. The, the fight to find time to read is ultimately a fight for the life and the heart of a pastor. Yep. Um, I, I think a lot of pastors would think, uh, I agree. Right. Easier said than done. Yep. 
So how do you recommend yep. a pastor fights for time to read? Yep, excellent. Yep. Well, I mean, I think I think you fight for time to read by, first of all, having a conviction that it is a fight for your very life. So I don't want to assume everybody has a conviction about that. Uh, we need to have a conviction that reading is a fight for my life. So then I think that conviction can issue uh, into, uh, first of all, the obvious. And I mean, all these things are obvious, and we just want to serve these men who we love uh, by just reminding them, in effect, of the obvious. You've got to plan a time for reading. Um, it's got to be planned. I, I recommend the early morning hours because it is the time of the day with the least interruptions and distractions. And, and I think reading in the morning sets the tone for the day. And I would also say, I, I've noticed just an undeniable pattern over the years. The majority of pastors I have met, observed, interacted with that are growing and fruitful, they get up early. <laughs> they all get up early. Uh, so I don't think it's complicated. I don't like think... Eight, eight o'clock. <laughs> no, a little <laughs> earlier than that. I don't, I don't think this is like an elusive um, mystery. And, and the difficult part of getting up early is when you go to bed the night before. Right. So that's really when that fight takes place. Um, so plan a time for reading. And then I think just create a schedule for your reading. John Stott in his book, Between Two Worlds, writes, uh, the minimum would amount to this. Every day at least one hour, every week one morning, afternoon or evening, every month a full day, every year a week. Now, regardless of if a pastor uh, conforms to this, I, I love the categories. What, what's your plan for every day? What's your plan each week? What's your plan every month? What's your plan every year? So those are the categories that I think pastors need to work with in planning their reading. So if I was sitting across from a pastor right now, I would say, hey man, what, what is your plan? What is your plan for reading each day, each week, each month, and each year? So, um, okay, there is a massive amount of things to read. I'll, I'll yep. never forget the first time I ever walked into a Christian bookstore, yes. and I was stunned yeah. how many books there are, and that has only <laughs> multiplied since that day 30-some years ago. Yes. So how, how does a pastor, how do you think through uh, determining what to read yep. with all the things that there are available to read? Yep, that is definitely a daily challenge for each and every pastor. Uh, well, I mean, you not only have to plan a time for reading, you have to also have a plan for what you read or, or else you will live with kind of a low-grade guilt that you are not reading enough and that you are falling you know, farther and farther behind and everybody in the world is reading more than you. So again, those I know who read most effectively are those who plan what they read. And actually, I think this protects them from the futile attempt to keep up with all the new books that are published each and every month and from being discouraged that they haven't read as many books as others. So you gotta determine what books you should read in the next three months, six months, over the next year. And, and I'm saying that your list should be a short one. Uh, you should choose wisely, and I think the list should be a short one. Spurgeon said that a student will find that his mental constitution is more affected by one book thoroughly mastered than by 20 books he has merely skimmed. So I think as pastors, what we have to ask ourselves is what books do we need to master 
in the next year? What books do we need to master in the next three to five years? So all the good readers I know, they've got a plan. So even though I can't read like they do, I can't read as quickly as they do, I can't retain <laughs> like they can, I, I can create uh, a plan. They have a plan, okay? Our friend Mark Dever, he has a plan. He has his, what he calls his canon of theologians, and it takes him throughout a given year. So in January, it's the early church fathers. In February, it's Augustine. In March, it's Martin Luther. In April, it's John Calvin. In May, as he would say, it's the one, the only Richard Sibbs. Uh, <laughs> June is uh, John Owen or John Bunyan. Uh, I don't know why he postponed Spurgeon until August. But so each month, he has what he calls his canon of theologians, assembles the books he wants to read by those authors. That is a plan. Uh, Al Mohler has a plan. He encourages us to maintain regular reading projects. I strategize my reading, he writes, in six main categories. Theology, biblical studies, church life, history, cultural studies, and literature. I have some project from each of these categories going at all times. I collect and gather books for each project, read them over a determined period of time. This helps to discipline my reading, and it also keeps me working across several disciplines. So these guys have a plan. I have a plan. It's much simpler, <laughs> less ambitious. I, I, try I am to... intimidated by those plans. Oh, yeah. Well, and we are sure, ordinary pastors. Sure, <laughs> but where, what we must learn is that they've got, They've a, plan. got a plan. Yes, yeah. too many guys don't have a plan. I am really behind in my Richard Sibbs reading. <laughs> so they're just buried under all the possible yeah. books. And in their office, uh, the, their books just call to them and basically condemn them because they haven't read them. So, uh, yeah, for me, I just have simple categories. I try to work through gospel, uh, spiritual discipline, sanctification, husband, father, suffering, preaching pastoral ministry. So those those are my categories. I want to be reading from each of those categories. I want to have a plan for the books that I need to hopefully master from those categories. And that just protects me from living with kind of a low-grade guilt or condemnation that I'm falling ever behind in my reading. And it's also encouraging that you can genuinely make progress. Yeah. yeah, by the way, this just in for our <laughs> listeners uh, from our friend Sinclair Ferguson. He sent me an email the other day just describing what he's presently working on. And listen to this. How exciting is this? He said, at the moment, we're putting what hopefully are the final last ultimate touches to a rather large volume of pieces published over the years in a variety of semi-obscure places, which all fit into the category of what I think as if you're a pastor preacher, you should be interested in this. So hopefully that should be out before Christmas. Um, and so here's, here's what he's seeking to address in this particular volume. Um, I've sometimes wondered if younger men, especially in the States, look at the men they watch, very, various high-profile leaders, and think that they become like them simply by imitating them or even reading the books they are reading and not by asking, what books did they read when they were my age and at my stage? So that okay. is, is going to serve pastors, I think. And, yep. and again, it's, it's addressing the necessity of having a plan. By the way, I'd also say, I think effective reading involves rereading. And I've grown to appreciate this. 
uh, as I've aged. So Harold Bloom, who wrote a book, How to Read and Why, he, he, he said this, reread what is most worthy of rereading. So in my experience, each time I reread a great book, I, I not only <laughs> remember what I've forgotten, I'm not only reminded of what I've forgotten, I, I see something for the first time. I perceive something for the first time. There's always sentences that I didn't previously underline that jump off the page. So I'm always richer for a reread of a book that is worthy of a reread. And by the way, let me just say one more thing, because I... That you can, I don't think we can cover this topic without addressing what I, I, I think is the common discouraging experience of ordinary pastors uh, like myself. And that's, you, you, know, you read a book and then in a matter of days, you, you really have forgotten <laughs> most of what you have read. I mean, I've been through this so many times. Um, I can remember one particular experience when after reading a biography, I think it was of Lincoln, it, it, five days hadn't gone by. So this is, you know, seven, 800 page biography. And somebody inquired, you know what you're reading? And I just mentioned this book and, and they just said, well, what would you learn from it? <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to learn? Oh my, my. I remembered one, one sentence from the book, one scene from the book. And I just remember finishing that conversation thinking, how, how discouraging is that? I mean, it's only been a matter of days. Was that the wisest use of time? Well, when I heard this from our friend John Piper years ago, it had a wonderfully liberating effect. And by the way, he, he said this in 1981. He said this in 1981 <laughs> in a sermon. He said, what I have learned about serious reading is this. It is sentences that change my life, not books. What changes my life is some new glimpse of truth, some powerful challenge, some resolution to a long-standing dilemma, and these usually come concentrated in a sentence or two. I do not remember 99% of what I read, but if the 1% of each book or article I do remember is a life-changing insight, then I don't begrudge the 99%. I, I just find that Excellent. so helpful. I mean, I, I return to that quote often. And, and by the way, 1%... That would be high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember less than 1%. But as you're reading then, you're, you're really looking for sentences uh, and, and reading with the hope that you are going to encounter by the grace of God sentences that are going to change your life. The purpose of reading is, is not to try to remember as much of what you've read as possible. Okay. Yep. Uh, first of all, congratulations for... I have five days before you forget. I'm like five hours. So, well done. It's you're, so, you're well ahead of the game. It's so discouraging because we love to um, read and you retain so little. And then you interact with one of these guys who has a photographic memory and it's just no fair. It's people. no fair. <laughs> it's no fair. Um, yep. Let me, uh, I want to get back to what to read, but since we're on this topic. So if you're, if you're reading a book, look for, how do you, how do you remember? How, what's your system for yeah, for marking? Question. For how do you when sure. you go through a book? How do yep. you get back to glean from that book? Yeah, when you're not going to reread question. the whole thing. Yeah, and and so I'll I'll give you my simple approach to this. What's important is that each guy has an approach to this. You, you my approach is simply this. So you got to realize, okay, if I'm only going to remember one percent at most, I'm going to forget ninety nine percent. How can I 
how can I retain that 99% in some form, in some way, so I can access it in the future? So for me, if I read a book and it's a good book, I am attacking it, I am marking it, there are checks, there are underlines, there are yellow marks, there are pages that are dog-eared. There are notes in uh, on the side uh, that alert me to points that are made and, and their relevance for a certain topic or a certain passage. And they're these yep. great little, what do you call these things? They're these great little colored things yeah. that you stick there are, on books. They are, I don't know what they're yeah. called, but I love those Yeah, things. you got to find the right colors, though, because at times they, they want to... feminine wanna, colors. No, exactly. They're trying to move the pink, and you just, no, no, you no, just no. can't have that. Or um, but fluorescence. These are, these but, are helpful. So whenever they're called, yeah. they're just these little plastic things yeah, I don't that know you what stick in called. the key yes, places. You but are, that's you a great You are identifying them in the book that's sitting here. That is a great invention. So when I'm done reading a book, then the next phase is to work my way back through it. Uh, and this is what I do. And I mean, this, I, I can just hear people laughing uh, at this. I love hard copies. I love working with paper. So I just create a way for my assistant to make copies of each and every page uh, that I want to preserve so that I might put those in the appropriate files. So I'm still working. I'm one of the last people probably on earth Dinosaur. that is refusing to, I'm sure, benefit from technology. There's just not time. I'm too old. I agree completely. Yes, I'm too old. So the, the point isn't to, to emulate my example. And I'm sure that has no appeal to our listeners. But the point is you got to have some system you create yeah. in order to, by review, retain and this has just happened countless times where in the future, and I mean sometimes it's the distant future. This, oh, this just happened this last week where I went to a folder on a topic that was related to the passage I was preaching. And as I opened the folder and looked through it, there were a number of items from books I had previously read years ago, books I had completely forgotten with content that was helpful. Um, so that whole process I just described uh, made it possible for me to retain that. So you've got to have some system okay. to retain what you have read, lest you forget it. And I'm sure with all the digital <laughs> possibilities that, that, again, people yeah. people are people are amused that I'm talking about, us. yes, making copies. What's a copy? And putting, that's right, and putting it in a file. But I love having paper in my hand. I love reading from an actual book, and so I'm not changing. But you, what you've asked is a great question, because I think it would be, do not trust your memory. Do not rely on it, no matter how affected you are by a book. Uh, and what you read in a book, you're going to forget it, and you're going to forget it real quickly. Yeah. So if Piper's only remembering 1%, 1% yeah, don't you flatter yourself no. that you're remembering more than 1%. You're not. You're remembering less than 1%. So don't be a dope. Create a system to retain what you have read. Yep, good. If, if I just join in, if I read a really good book, I will... Um, go through and just type up a summary of the book. Excellent. That's really helped me. Yes. And I could just go back. Yes. And, oh, yeah, okay, that, 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 that. So just yes. different, different ways is the point. Yes. And then your your marks, your checks, your little plastic things. Yes. Uh, just to help you find that again. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Good. Okay, guys. Um, CJ, thank you. This has been excellent. And uh, because we want to... Uh, keep these podcasts about 20 minutes or so. Yeah, good. I'm going to stop yeah, here, and we're going to pick good. this up next month. Good. Oh, yeah, we got uh, much more to talk about. Yes, we do. Yeah. So yeah. just by way of review, uh, plan a time for reading. Yep. Um, don't just assume that it'll it'll just fall into your nope. lap. Make it happen. It's a fight for Make your life. It's a fight. Yep. 
and then uh, have a plan for what you read yes. in those times that you set aside. So yes. I really want to pick up on that one the next month. So, Good. Let's do uh, it, man. For now, thank you guys for listening. Yep. yep. Let me just, by way of reminder, if there's topics you'd like us to cover or questions you'd like us to answer, please sew those into me. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, and remember, and now we're on iTunes. Oh, yeah, so, we're on iTunes. <laughs> we are, so we, we are so we can search an expanded audience. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> send it to your friends. Send it to your... Yeah, some of our listeners are wondering, like, why are you on iTunes? It would yeah. have been wise to keep this as confined as possible. They, they, they don't even realize that we hardly know what iTunes <laughs> are. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's so true. Oh, I wish my. I could find this no, on iTunes. Oh, man, we are old guys, and we are not conforming no. to this technological world by the way I, yep. I don't think we're on itunes yet so when i mentioned this to the pastor oh that's great class they all on their phones immediately oh that's great uh, so you're making an announcement that we're on itunes and we're not even on iTunes. well i think we're, so what we're kind getting of, on there okay what kind of host are have, you if you're announcing something well, I, I have that people. isn't even taking I have place people. <laughs> i have people you do these things <laughs> Well, I'd recommend in the future you'd wait till your people tell you something has actually happened before you announce it. Well, because all eight listeners now are searching out. I'm sorry, folks. Oh no, now now those. (laughs) All right, see you next month. Better to quit. (laughs) 